Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech radio with a difference. Talk radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is a late night alternative. I'm Catherine Boyle. We're talking about all sorts, from real friends that you make online to secret languages you have with animals. Come on, if you've got a pet, I know you've probably worked out how to talk to them. It's not always with words. God, that sounded creepier than it needed to, didn't it? Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. If you want to give me a ring, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. I mean, the reason I'm talking about uh, talking to animals is um, apparently if you stare at a seagull, it's less likely to nick your chips. So there's a tip for you. Hang on. How's this happening? How's that happening when my um, fader's down? That's actually nuts. Oh, okay. I think next door's fader's possessed. It's right down here. Absolutely ma- mad. Uh, I've got the right person on the line to talk about it, though, because Catherine's there. You're spooky, <laughs> Catherine, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that? My fader was right down and you could hear um, some delicious music. I did. I did hear that. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a ring. What have you got? Um, well, I wanted to relate to you a story that happened to my brother. Um, I, it, it is true, honestly. My brother is, is very... Um, he's deceased now but he was a real jack the lad um, from the east end of London Um, he used to be a a driver for the the Cray twins so he he didn't take anything seriously Um, but he was in and out of of jail for quite a lot I mean my mum disowned him that's how bad it was Um, so he went into Pentonville and um, they put him in a, a cell, and um, they they normally sort of ask you the basic questions. One of which is, "What's your religion?" Um, and he said, "You know, well, I don't believe in anything, but I was raised a Catholic." Mm. And they said, "Right, okay, we've got a, a, a priest. You know, would would you like to talk to him?" And um, my brother said, "Well, you know, whatever you want, don't care." So this priest came in. There's two bunks in this cell. My brother sat on one. And the priest sat on the other one, um, and he was opposite him, and he was asking him all these questions, but he was wringing his hands all the time, this priest, and he had his head down looking at the floor. Right. And um, he says to my brother, oh, do you, if you don't believe, um, do you believe in the devil and all that? And my brother said, well, no, not really. He said, because, you know... I don't believe in God, why should I believe in the devil and all this sort of stuff? Um, and he said, well, okay, he said, um, so where do you think your soul goes afterwards? And my brother got really uncomfortable. 
Don't really blame him. uncomfortable. Don't blame him. He can't get away from that. No. And um, he said to him, look, father, because he was very respectful, he said, look, father, I don't want to talk about all this. I don't believe in it. Don't talk. I just don't want to talk to it. Yeah. And um, the priest said, well, I think you should talk about it. It's very important. And he lifted his head and his eyes were glowing red. No, stop it. I, I, I swear to you, my brother, and my brother does not frighten evilly. He does not frighten evilly. Well, he didn't frighten evilly at all. And um, he, said, he said to my brother, look, Francis, and all that. And my brother was going mental, looking for a guard. And in the end, the guard came along and my brother said, get him out of my cell. Just get him out of my cell. And, um, of course, they brought, brought the priest out of the cell. Um, by which time... There was nothing wrong with the priest. His eyes were fine. But my brother never forgot it and never, ever, ever allowed the priest to be called to him because he was he was just living in terror. God. You know? And um, I never forget the look on his face. And he only ever told you the story when he'd had a drink um, because that's the only time I think he had the good luck or, or, or strength of character to tell the story. He wouldn't tell it when he was sober. But um, that, that's, that, honestly, that's a true story. He was absolutely terrified with his priest. That is like the stuff of nightmares and it is. horror it films. Is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, whether or not... I don't know who he was. I don't, I don't know... You know where he, what he was doing, or anything in that place. But I know that he went, he went to my brother, and that was it. You know, my brother never forgot it ever. God. Um, I mean, well, the scientific thing. You know, if it, yeah. you know, I'm taking your word for it, but yeah. it could be that your brother was in, you know, in shock or exactly. I mean, well, we some, don't know something going on, but that's flipping awful. Yeah, what a thing. But he really didn't. And he was convinced it happened. Oh, without a doubt. And he does. He he's not the type of. Per- well, he wasn't the type of person, as I say, to make things up or to get scared of stuff. My no. brother did just did not frighten. He was the type of bloke who would stand up to anyone and and have a fight. So he just did not frighten. But to see him talk about this experience, whether there was more to it, and he never told us, I don't know. Yeah. But he certainly, definitely believed it happened. Yeah, something happened to him in that cell, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. How, long was, he, how long was he in prison, Catherine? Yeah. How long? Six months. Right. He was in and out all the time. Um, you know, he was, he was used to it. How much older was he than you, or is he your kid brother? Oh, no, he was way older than me. Right. Um, he was probably about 30 years older than me. 30? Yeah. My mum had um, 10 children. Flipping heck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice big Irish family. She must have been some woman. Yeah, she actually she was. She was a force to be reckoned with, my mum. She didn't have to shout or raise her hand. She just looked at you and you stopped immediately. <laughs> right. And was your dad about? Yeah, 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 he was very quiet. My dad was anything for a quiet life. 
<laughs> Don't blame him with ten kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he took on nine and then they had me. So right. it's ten. Oh, right. So he was your dad, but not the nine? No. Okay. No. Wow. But, I mean, that's a, that is something to take on, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. He was a good soul, my dad. Very, very good person. Um, but like all the Irish boys, um, liked his drink. Right. <laughs> Which didn't help. I bet. But, um, so, so your mum was like the kind of... Um, the, she was a matriarch, The matriarch, definitely. that's the word I was reaching for. Yeah, she was definitely the one in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, so, yeah. Some, some woman. <laughs> so how are you keeping, Catherine? Oh, I'm all right. I'm not too bad. Um, my toe's all healed up now, so the amputation went well. Right. So, yeah, I'm back to walking. So it's all good. Does it feel different? Uh, doesn't feel different. I feel like I've still got it, suddenly enough. <laughs> Does it itch? Yeah. And it pains sometimes. It really pains. Oh, my God. How do you sort that out? Um, I, I tend to. I mean, I've got really strong painkillers for the cancer. I've got um, liquid morphine. Right. Off. Well, that's going to help then, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it does. It, 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 sometimes it feels funny, but the majority of the time, it's okay. Does it completely knock you out, the morphine? Uh Sometimes it does, sometimes it does, but because I'm on a cocktail of drugs, the others don't help, Right. because they all sort of mix together. The only thing I know about that stuff is when my grandma had um, cancer, she was on that, and it, it, it spaced her out. Yeah, yeah, it can she, do, but... She was seeing all sorts. Yeah, well, when, I, when they first gave it to me, they gave me, in a hospital, they gave me an overdose of it, and I woke up... I swear to you, all, everything around me was a World War One field hospital. Blimey. I could see the doctors and nurses in the the uniforms, the long, you know, with the, the long skirts and the big poofy hats. And so it terrified me. And I, I wouldn't take it again. And they said, oh, you know, we've got to try and get the dose right. Um, yeah. But thankfully they got the dose right. That's so. tough, that's tough. Uh, you know, it is horrible. I mean, I tend to take it only when it's absolutely necessary and when I'm in real, real pain. Yeah, last resort. Yeah, um, because otherwise you, you don't know what these things are doing to you, you know, and I'm always scared of them. Um, I mean, I would never take anything like the diazepam stuff or um, Prozac or anything like that, because they are really dangerous drugs. So I really would not touch them. Yeah, we get people ringing this show all the time. You can't stop taking them once they start. Well, that's it. That's that's it. And the diazepams, I think... I mean, I remember reading a story as well about Prozac. A woman was on it for two days, and she went with a knife and held up her gas station in America. What? Yeah, I and thought I Prozac thought, was supposed to chill you out. Yeah, and I thought, no, I'm not taking that. So um, we've, we've managed to get the dosage right with the, with the Oromorph. Right. So we'll just keep it as and when. I think that's the best thing, because otherwise you tend to rely on it too much. And what's the situation now with your, with your treatment? Um, well, I couldn't have the treatment while I was in hospital, um, 
because of the amputation and I had to be on uh, liquid intravenous antibiotics. Um, so I was in there all over Christmas. I came out in, uh, where are we, January? I came out in February um, and then I was on flat bed rest. So the local nurses were coming out to me. Um, and then that stopped in June. God, I bet you were bored out of your mind, weren't you? I am. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's lucky I'm a reader. I'm a, a real avid reader. Um, it was very lucky. And Alexa was a godsend because I um, I got her for Christmas and I listened to talk radio, which is brilliant. So, um, But it just, um, yeah, it lasted. And then it ended in June. And so now I'm waiting to be put back on the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to have a CT scan, um, a heart scan and um, blood tests before I can have the treatment. Right. And the CT scan is the one that I'm scared of because that's the one that tells you whether it's spread. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm really terrified of. Yeah. But um, I'm just waiting for my doctor my consultant now, oncologist, to get in touch with me. Yeah, you kind of go from one appointment to the next. You can't really oh, think too much further than that, I expect. Drive yourself mental. I mean, if you thought, literally, if you thought... I, I do... I'm pessimistic sometimes. I do think to myself, will I be here for Christmas and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but my husband's brilliant. He's, he's really one of the best, you know, and he's very, very supportive. Yeah. So I'm lucky in that way. Um, but it doesn't stop me thinking. No, and you've got plenty of time to do that as well. Exactly. If you're on bed rest. Yeah, exactly. So, but other than that, everything's tickety-boo. Good. And there are people worse, a lot worse off than me. Well, I mean, that's what, pe- that's what you have to tell yourself. It's... Well, you do. You look at the little kids in the hospital. They don't have a chance. They've been born with it. I know. They haven't even had a life. You know, and that distresses me terribly mm-hmm. um, when I look at it because, you know, I was, my birthday yesterday, I was 54. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. And I, suddenly, I thought, you know what, I've had 54 years on this planet. These little kids have not even had a day out of hospital, you know. I know. Do you know what? That's one of the reasons I don't believe in God anymore. Yeah, it's very hard to. I mean, I cling on to my face like, oh, like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but it is very difficult and I understand people when I see them with their little babies uh, I couldn't imagine going through that No, I've got, I've got a friend who um, they started their family really early yeah. kind of accidentally right and there were the kids in school that everyone thought oh they haven't got a chance what they're doing they're idiots and of course they're the ones that have got the strongest marriage and the strongest partnership and they've had you know quite a few kids since the first one yeah so you know it was no accident really they were supposed to be together exactly um, yeah but their second child didn't make it um and he was very ill from being really little and they're really kind of uh, really very strong um, yeah. Christ- christian faith and I had the conversation with them about it. I said, how can you believe after all you've been through with that poor baby? And they said, well. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, they, this is the way they justify it. And, I, I, you know, if, if it works for them, that's great. But they said that they believe he was like a teaching soul and he was there about, he was there to show them, you know, the, um, the power of faith and all that. Yeah. A teaching soul, imagine. My mum was a very strong Catholic, but when, um, because we lost our older brother when he was 42, um, he died in his sleep, and then she lost her faith completely. She wouldn't talk to anyone about it because she just believed there was no God that could take her son away. And then six months she lasted and she died, and then six months... My dad lasted and he died. God. You know, so I was left in the house on my own. It's, it's funny about people that that go shortly after losing someone yeah. that they love that much. It's like they sort of give up, don't they? Yeah, it is. My dad definitely gave up because yeah. he adored my mum. They would argue like cat and dog, but they adored each other. Mine are a bit like that. Do you know what it what it is with my mum and dad? They don't. They don't it's not strong arguments. It's just bickering, right? That's it. That's exactly right. But they they there were always kids around, and I think what's happened is now there aren't kids in the house. Yeah, that's just what they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my mum was typical Irish. She'd walk past my dad and say, "Are you still breathing?" <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, but they didn't spend a night apart. No. Um, you know, it was only when she. She took a massive stroke. Yeah. With, uh, was she taken into hospital? That was the only time. What do you know about the the, the dad of the nine kids? What happened there? He was um, he was an Irishman, and um, he came over to England. He was a gardener, um, and he came over to England to take a job at Victoria Park as a gar- as a groundskeeper. Right. And he was. 42 he was going to work one day and um he got to the top of the steps of bethnal green tube station and collapsed and died of a massive heart attack good god Mm. and there's that 42 again so she lost a husband at 42 and a son at 42 yeah yeah poor woman yeah she she, oh yeah and then she because she was in ireland at the time so she came over here because obviously he had a a tied house and everything with mm-hmm. Vicky Park, and um, she moved into that. And she just—I think she worked about four jobs. To keep kids. Well, this is it. We've got nine kids. It's uh... yeah, but they—they they couldn't do that today. They—they they couldn't do that today. They would be absolutely gobsmacked. How did she manage with the? Well, obviously, childcare was something else back then. I'm imagining yeah. the older kids looked after the little ones. They did, and my auntie came over right um and she lived with them um but unfortunately it doesn't sound like we had any fun but we did i assure you it sounds very victorian yeah she had a my auntie had a a, what they now know is an epileptic fit but they didn't know then so they took her into an um into an asylum and gave her cold baths and gave her electric shock treatment and this was a woman who was so used to coping for herself. 
she used to go abroad on her own and go to the theatres and all that. Wow, that's like a proper modern woman, that. Yeah, yeah. So what, this treatment destroyed her, I'm imagining? Completely. Um, She died in the asylum. God, God, Catherine. We couldn't get her out. Um, They wouldn't allow it. Um, So they had to have a signatory um, who was a parent. Well, none of the parents were alive. Um, So... Yeah, she died in the asylum. It was, it was awful. It's incredible. What are we talking, 1940s, 50s? Yeah, yeah, 50s. But you see, you've got to realise she was taken into one of the, the Magdalene asylums. Ah. Um, so she was really badly treated in there. Yeah, and I imagine being quite a strong, forthright woman didn't go down very well. No, not at all. Not at all. So... But my mum was always strong and she was always, you knock her down, she gets up. I mean, she got scarlet fever at the age of, I don't know, 25 or something. She had three kids then and they said, you'll never walk again. And she said, oh, I'll walk. She said, I've got children. And she used to drag herself out of bed, which is practically unheard of. You wouldn't do that, you know. But she was a strong woman, very strong. God. She ran two businesses at the end. Did she? What was she doing? Um, well, one was an antique shop and one was a, what you'd call a second-hand furniture shop. So, But the second-hand furniture shop kept the antique shop going. Right. You know? Um, yeah, because people are less intimidated by second-hand furniture than they are, they are about antiques, yeah. Yeah, of course they are. But, um, but yeah, she always, she always made a living and she always had a house for her kids. She would never have social services around or anything like that. She just went out and she made a living. I don't know how she did it, but she, yeah. she did it. She was one of that generation that didn't want to ask for help and they didn't want anyone else interfering. No, they didn't. That's right. But, but yeah, so she was, she was a good person. What was her name? Kathleen. Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. And my grandmother was French. Uh, I'm doing. My, I've been doing my family history for two years now. Have you? Yeah, because um, she had a, a brother called Michael who died in the trenches at the age of 18, and I think I found him. I think I've located him to a a, a hospital in France. It's so hard, isn't it? I, I don't know yeah. whether things have changed. I know when Jeans Reunited first came out, I had a little stab at trying to find because my grandma that died last. Two, well, was it last year, year before now? God, it seems like it seems really fresh, but it isn't. Uh, her dad disappeared mm. when she and her brothers and sisters were quite small. And the last she remembers, again, this is an Irishman. The um, we've got a picture of him when he was engaged to my great grandma in a World War One uniform that was too big. I mean, a bit, but he looks a spitting image of my dad oh. and looks like me. It's quite spooky. Yeah, um, yeah, and then. But he disappeared. We don't know what it was because obviously my grandma Lillian was too young to be told the ins and outs of what had been going on. My great-grandma never remarried, but the last thing my grandma Lillian remembers of her dad was him um, finding her in the street while she was playing out and giving her a note and saying, take this to your mum. And then when she came back, she said, my mum says no. And he said, she won't let me come home. And that was the last she saw of her dad ever. And that story is just... 
heartbreaking. Oh, that's so sad. Really heartbreaking. And all the way to, towards the end, we, we were trying to find him, but of course it's really difficult. If, I'll tell you something. If you had relatives born in Southern Ireland, it's impossible because Cromwell burnt all the records. It's all that, the parish churches. It's that and looking up, you know, surnames. For example, trying to find the other side of the family, trying to find a boil, oh, yeah. boil that came over at the turn of the century. I mean, take your pick. It could have been any of them. Exactly. Exactly. But I thought, I mean, we had a, a situation in the East End of London where my brother was playing, my two brothers were playing with their friend on the roof of a building and um, the roof collapsed and my two brothers were injured, but their friend a guy called Tommy Jitterbug was killed um, and my mum used to carry a little piece of paper of the newspaper story because it was in the news of the world so I said to Stuart my husband Stuart I said I need to go to um, Collindale to the National Archives of Newspapers and see if I can find this bit of paper because it's all faded now Yeah. went in there um said to the lady, you know, I'm looking for this. She said, well, is there anything unusual? And I said, well, the boy that died, his name was unusual. So I told her. She came out. It had made every national newspaper. Was it like a, bo- like a bomb site or something they were playing yeah. in? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they were supposed to, the government was supposed to have, or the council was supposed to have knocked the building. Right. But they left it. And um, it turned out that they went, they took all of this to Parliament about these bomb sites being, I mean, it was amazing. I thought it was just going to be a little clip in the paper. Um, but I've got all of that now. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to the lady because they took a big photograph of my mum and the boys and the girls. So it was like a family photograph. And... We had it, but it was it had been ruined because it had been folded over the years. So she sent it to me. She said, I'll send it to you in a pristine copy. And I said, thank you. And I got this envelope, and I got the picture, and then there was a little note from her saying, don't know if you'd like this. And it was a picture that no one had ever seen of my mum and my brother that was injured. Wow. And he was, my brothers, all my brothers are tough. Yeah. And I sent it to him for his birthday and said, this is just for you. And his wife phoned me and she said, I've been married to him for 35 years and I've never seen him cry. She said, this morning he opened that bloody picture and he ain't stopped. No. And I thought, oh my God, I hope you're all right, you know, but power of photographs. Yeah, and you know what? We didn't take as many photographs back then. No, no. It was a special occasion, you'd dress up, wouldn't you? I was always the one that took the photographs. Hardly anybody else took photographs in my family. I've been to see some of Danny Baker's films, uh, sorry, shows, and and I know in his books as well he says the same thing. He says, I I look at the photos we've got, and we've got, like, one picture of the whole family together, and the rest of the time we take photos on holiday, and we'd be taking a picture of a flipping sheep or a a church or something, (laughs) and I'd be thinking, turn the bloody camera around. Yeah, yeah, it's typical. It's absolutely typical. But trying to locate your family, I, I love it. I love it when a piece comes together and yeah. you just think, oh, wow, that's it, another puzzle. Yeah. And then I sat here with my sister a month ago and told her how far up I was and that I might have found Michael. And she said to me, oh, good, you can have a look for Maisie. Yeah. 
Oh, another I one. Said, Who's Maisie? She said, oh, she was mum's twin sister. What? She died. And I thought, do you know what? I could have strangled her. I really could have done. <laughs> I thought, you've known I've been doing this for like the past five years. And it's only now that you tell me about Maisie. But, so that's another one to look for now. Blimey, well, you're going to be busy, Catherine. I will. And yeah. It's been a real pleasure talking to you tonight. I'm glad we've had a bit more time. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and it's um, it's been lovely talking to you because you're very um, you're very sympathetic and you've you know you've got a very reassuring way about you. Oh, so thanks. Thank it's you. It's lovely. All right. Um, d- did he find his passport? Yeah, he did. He went away, and uh, we're talking about Ian, of course. Yes. Um, he went away and he's been either he's taken the boys to gladiator school they've been to a pizza making workshop they've, oh, they've wow. not stopped they've been having the most wonderful time yeah they'll love it they'll yeah. love Italy oh. Rome is fantastic do you know what he's making some brilliant <coughs> memories with them and you know it's, yeah. been, it's been a tough time and I'm really pleased to see him enjoying life the way he is exactly. at the moment exactly I, I was going to say to him before he went if he goes to the um, St Peter's Square on a Wednesday he'll, he can hear Papa preach because he preaches every Wednesday <laughs> that you didn't sit to <laughs> <laughs> I think they were I think they were fighting each other at the gladiator school when uh, Papa was preaching today oh that's what it is you see. <laughs> that's what it is anyway um, you, you know okay. where I am Catherine if you want to chat thank you take Thanks care of yourself a lot. No, no. yeah you too bye 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 oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand this is a late night alternative the late night alternative with Catherine Boyle speech radio with a difference talk radio